hits a button and it goes balls and then an old old time movie clip shows up like more money going up boom up yeah and Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spore the Warning podcast. This is review number 412 with a review of Money Monster. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spore the Warning podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, uh, we had some quants working on an algo, and there was a glitch in the algo, and we lost 33% of our hosts for the show. And I mean, I, I tried everything. I tried uh, NLP. I tried AI. I even tried programming. I just couldn't fix the algo. Did, did you try making a GUI interface in Visual Basic? <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, that would have worked. Oh, if only I hadn't been snorting all that cocaine in Korea. In this unknown time when everyone is awake and it's like mid-evening for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Carson's not with us on this episode. Um, it wasn't because of an algo or quants or weird dance moves that one of us does when we do our money talk show. But we are here to talk about Money Monster. So, how are you doing this evening, Stephen? Doing not too bad. Little, I don't know, little relaxed. Work has been kind of crazy the last few episodes. So, like, we've been squeezing in reviews and then I go and work another, like, eight hours. Uh, (laughs) But tonight I've got a beer. I'm here to talk about a... Maybe a movie that doesn't leave that heavy a mental footprint. (laughs) So, should be... Should be good. No... No big algos are creeping up in my brain tonight. Steven, are, are you trying to tell me that this film did not change your life? Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> all right. You know, I, I think I, I can agree with that. I mean, I mean, like movies these days, it's all digital. It's just ones and zeros and wires and fast, you know? Is yeah. that a message? Is that resonating with people? <laughs> yeah. Life is just like one ticker on the bottom of your screen. Before you know it, all the numbers are passed, and it's just done. But we are not numbers. We are sharks. Yeah. <laughs> and we keep swimming. Yeah. Or we and we have backpacks that we put all of the things in our life into. And we stare at goats occasionally. Yes. After we take our LSD water. And we... Michael Clayton. I don't, I don't remember anything about that movie. <laughs> we <laughs> robbed we do casinos. That that, that, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um... And we, 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 we travel to the Tomorrowland. We sure do. In we sure do. Uh, but anyways, we're going to talk about Money Monster. So what do you say we get into this, Stephen? I'll go f*** yourself. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a listen to the trailer for Money Monster, and then we're going to come back and give you a review. <clears throat> Anyone who can get out, get out right now do not look up do not make eye contact just go lee stay calm i'm right here we are live in five minutes you have the revisions for the opening they're still making some changes am i going to get the changes before the show or you after know the, the show? show you just point the camera in my direction we'll figure it out together it always sounds so simple and yet so moronic the Wizard of Wall Street himself. The name is Lee Gates. The show is Money Monster. Without risk, there is no reward. Should I sell? Should I unload? Get some balls! Man up! Who's that guy on camera, too? You want to complain about it? Go ahead. Who is it? Anybody know? 
Was it a union thing? Cut the feed. Whoever's in there, turn the cameras on. Turn the cameras on, Patty. Turn them on, What am I going to do? Turn them on. Put it up. Take it out. Put it on. How do I know it won't blow up? Because I have the detonator. My thumb comes off this trigger, and we all explode. I might be the one with the gun here, but I'm not the real criminal. It's people like these guys. I got my finger on the trigger. I'm telling you, it's rigged. The whole damn thing. But I don't know who to trust. They're stealing everything from us, and they're getting away with it, too. How's that even fair? Just keep talking to him, all right? You're good at that. I got my finger on the trigger. You lost a lot of money when the market tanked. They tracked down his girlfriend. That was everything we had. Every last cent. What are you doing? I'm just trying to survive. I'll get you some answers. Nobody was asking any questions before. These guys could expose everything. We both want an explanation for what went wrong. We don't know. You have to understand how delicate of a situation this I'm is. I'm sitting 80 feet from a bomb. Don't talk to me about delicate situations. We're human beings. We're not computers. We have a conscience. I'm trying to save him. You're trying to shoot him. I want an explanation. Follow the money, find the fraud. We're in this together now. Don't turn your back on anybody. I don't want you to die. Oh, my God. No! You came here to get some answers. You deserve to get some answers. All right, so Money Monster is the tragic tale of a young man who decided to make a bet. He took all the money he had, and he put it on this one company named Ibis that uh, couldn't fail. In fact, it couldn't fail so much that it was almost more safe a bet than putting your money into a savings account. Turns out it wasn't really that safe uh, due to you know some problem in this algo for this company. Uh, I believe the, like the, the entire fund as a whole lost like 800 bazillion dollars or something like that. And basically, this kid lost everything. So he decides he's going to get a gun and a bomb vest and go into the broadcast room for the place that does this Money Monster show where he got the tip from and uh, hold hostage the host and try to get answers because a glitch did it is not a good enough reason for him. He wants to know the truth behind what really happened. So, Stephen, what did you think of this film? Well, uh, so... I don't know if you remember when we first saw the trailer, I was immediately not excited about watching this movie. Um, I thought this looked like a very cheesy run of the mill, trying to be heartstring tugging, like 90s ripoff movie. Uh, And if I remember correctly, (laughs) you were actually like mildly interested in watching it, right? Yeah, I saw. So I I think I was definitely the most positive out of anybody in our group to see it just because, um, you know, I like the people. The, the you know I <laughs> you know basically I like George Clooney uh, he's he's a charismatic person and he's interesting to watch in most roles that he plays but also I'm just a fan of uh, of uh, hostage standoff films right like yeah I, I'm into heist films I'm into hostage standoff films like those those are two genres that for the most part I can have maybe not fun but they they hold my interest a little bit um, regardless of what the the surrounding has so I kind of liked the idea of what the film was going for you know like you know the kid was sad he was gonna hold this place up and the main character who is not a hostage negotiator would have to try to keep everything calm and figure out what to do and that that from a base level sort of interested me yeah and so i think 
that basic story sounded like a cheesy cliche to me, but oh my <laughs> god, I wish they had managed to do a cheesy cliche at least. <laughs> like <laughs> I I am bewildered by Money Monster. It so like okay, Jodie Foster, I think she's only made one other movie, The Beaver, and that wasn't like a huge movie, right? It was a little kind it's of about the Canadian singer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, the Beaver, you said. Yeah, no. That was a joke. I just... Continue. I, I thought you were going to make a porn joke. <laughs> anyway. No. Um, no, so, like, I didn't expect this to be a polished movie behind the camera. Like, I, I assume, like, when an actor makes a movie, it's going to be more about, like, big moments and monologues and maybe less about, like, subtle camera work. But, like, what amazes me is that this didn't just feel like someone who had never directed a movie. It felt like someone who's never seen a movie before <laughs> or seen a talk show and definitely who's never talked to a real human being about the financial crisis. It, it like, like, okay, th there's a lot of touchstones you could point to for this movie. Like you could point to Inside Man maybe as like the person in a hostage standoff type movie or you could talk about a uh, dog day afternoon or, or you could talk about like the big short and be like this is a movie that's going to be you know flipping flipping wall street the bird and channeling this kind of like populist anger at a big thing that happened yeah uh, i mean up in the air would be a fine touchstone for what this movie was probably wanting to do like also with george clooney but it was taking a real modern day anger and trying to like frame a movie around it where it has this like pathos where the bookends are kind of talking about like look this is regular life and this is how the world works but from the from the moment this movie started it's just like a, a like a 90 minute fart of a movie it's just nothing <laughs> i mean the opening was so cringeworthy and clooney's giving a monologue like it's all numbers all transactions and you got to move fast and it goes through the wires and that is your money and it's just like this movie does not know what it wants to be about. Like, the message of this movie could have been something like people are angry at Wall Street. And instead it's like, yeah, the problem with Wall Street is um, it ones and zeros and they treat numbers like like numbers and... And what runs on numbers? Algos. And <laughs> But no, the real culprit, it's the human fingerprint, specifically Dominique West typing the world's slowest eye message in front of the camera for like 30 <laughs> seconds. That finger. Uh, he's, he's why people are angry because he's a jet-owning, cheating bastard. And this is relating to people, right? And it's like, what are you doing with this movie? I, I have no idea what what anger they were trying to channel or what they were trying to go for because this movie does not generalize to anything like you do not watch this movie and think oh yeah they hit on a real point about the frustration the working class feels like yeah because they chose to make it a you know completely fictional account and so that's fine it isn't a profound movie but you would think okay well it's a kind of like a prestige piece type 90s flick so it's probably going to have some big heartfelt moments and we're going to applaud for people but no like the characters don't matter like george clooney's character is just a parody of george clooney characters he's this empty narcissistic shell of a person you i never believed that he was popular or that people would watch him yeah. his show is like 
what an Amish person probably imagines TV shows are like now. It's just like, <laughs> it's kind of like morning zoo radio and hip hop and balls are there. And oh, it's just this hedonistic, crazy, crazy guy for this ADHD rattled audience. Like I, it felt so corny to me. Like, I think sometimes Judd Apatow movies don't always get the pop culture beats right. Like they also kind of make fun of make fun of things in a heightened way when they show like E reporters and stuff like that. But compared to this movie, they're geniuses. Like this movie just feels like it does not have any idea what television is like or what the culture is like or anything. It it felt like such a grandma movie to me. <laughs> Like, you know, what these kids are watching, the the host, he's so, oh, he's so outrageous. He he just hits a button and it goes, bo 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 balls and then an old, <laughs> old-time movie clip shows up. Like, more money going up, boom, up, yeah. And, uh, and like, it, hit, it hits all the cliches. Like, it has the standard, oh, there's the, the suave, heroic man in front of the camera, but, oh, the woman in the back, she's really in charge of everything. And he doesn't appreciate her enough, but don't worry, he's going to appreciate her enough. But, like, <laughs> there were so many beats in this movie that just felt very strange. Um, you would think the hostage situation would have some kind of intensity attached to it. But I never felt that. Like, this movie is shooting itself in the foot every moment it gets to an intense scene. Like, it tries to be irreverent, maybe, and be playing with the formula, but... I just got the sense that they don't even know the formula. They're just like throwing a bunch of shit up and trying to like, if this guy has an erection, that's going to be funny, right? Like, <laughs> put it in there, put it in there. And uh, hey, man, that erection was for serious tests so that he oh, could yeah. recommend the stock of that pharmaceutical company the yeah. next week on the show. It's totally legit, bro. Oh man, and you know how when you get an erection, you just have to bang someone in the closet right away. Oh, <laughs> we've all been there, right? I, I just don't. I don't understand. Everything involving Dominique West and Ibis and stuff, I thought was just terrible. Like, there, there was no suspense. It was a puzzle nobody wanted to solve. And the big reveal is, wait, people are involved. Human fingerprint. People, human fingerprints. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Who has human fingerprints? People have human fingerprints. You nailed it. So the problem with Wall Street is that it's all numbers and it's all a scam and people and human fingerprints and mambo. Like there, there's <laughs> one moment, one moment in this movie that was funny and it involves Kyle's wife. And like that got an actual laugh out of the audience. And it was half a real laugh and half just a relief of like, finally, this movie made me react somehow to something. Like the pace, it was just so slow and boring and useless a movie uh, there's one other scene where they try to do a thing where like they have a build-up and then they deflate it like they you know flip it it's like they're gonna do the cheesy thing and then it doesn't work yeah, and yeah, yeah that is not funny because everyone in the audience believed this movie was shit and shitty enough to do that thing like like everyone was like oh god here it comes i can't believe they're doing this oh they didn't do it whatever I don't, even, I don't even care anymore. <laughs> that, that, that is literally my exact reaction to that, that scene. Because as, as, he's, as he's like looking into the monitor and giving out this, this explanation, I was like, huh, this is actually kind of almost an interesting thing that he's trying to pull. Although mm -hmm. we know 
from the scene right before that that the kid says that that even if that works that wouldn't be enough to make him be happy right he he explains that this is no longer about the money it's about getting answers about what really happened so in that scene in the context of what the hostage taker has said if that plan were to work it wouldn't matter because he'd be like wow that's cool that you did that but what do i care (laughs) right and let alone if it worked it's basically rewarding the bad guy like oh yeah woo (laughs) give give this company all their money back (laughs) Won't that be a great... I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It, it's hard to talk about without spoiling. Like, that is one of the few remotely clever moments in the movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. This movie was just nothing. I can't remember the last time I watched a movie and felt found it so difficult to stick through to the end. It just got progressively more and more dumb, less... If... We shouldn't waste time on spoilers, but like if we talk about the actual ma- way the movie plays out, I think it's just completely stupid. <laughs> and anyway, what did what did you think of it? So I think that this this film is primarily built from two constituent parts, right? You have the there's a man with a gun and a television star on live TV that has a bomb suit vest thingamajig on him, right? Mm-hmm. And then there is the rest of the story that explains why that is all taking place. Um, at the very, very, very basic of levels, the, oh no, he has a gun, this is scary, and it's on live television, is, is like, mildly fine, right? <laughs> it's, it, it's nothing, it's nothing great. I'll give like, you mildly fine. <laughs> I, I, I just mean that, they, that there is, if you just write, take a piece of paper and write, there's a dude with a gun pointing the gun at another guy who has a bomb vest on and they're on live television, like, I'm like, go on. <laughs> right? yeah, it's I'm great like, for trailer length, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so it's, there's at least the basic level of interesting thing that's like, okay, this is, like, this is fine, whatever. It's not particularly compelling, but it's compelling enough at its basic premise that I will continue to watch. Like, you know, for the most part, Anytime Clooney was being scared man who doesn't want to upset boy, he was fine. When he was dancing and doing his stupid things and playing the character that he is in the television program, or just being like a schmoozy guy behind the set asking girls out even though they have boyfriends, like all that stuff was just dumb and trash, didn't really matter. Mm-hmm. The basic guy upset another man, blah, blah, blah. Like I, I was I was fine with sort of that aspect of the film. But what the trailer for this really sold me is that a guy in a desperate situation is piecing together evidence of this grand conspiracy. Basically, what I was sold was the big short, right? Yeah. It's almost like instead of having a bunch of kids figuring stuff or a bunch of people figuring stuff out and then gaming the system to get rich off it collapsing, I was expecting a man being held at gunpoint to look at the signs that everybody didn't see because they weren't paying attention and piece together on the air for this boy and get him answers, right? That's sort of what what the the film is really trying. Right. And even the tagline for the film is, I, I, I'm trying to do this from memory and I don't remember exactly what it is, but it's some conspiracies aren't just theory or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like that's the tagline for this movie. So even the tagline for the movie is trying to sell you that like, oh, like something big happened and we're going to build this case live on the air as, 
the nation watches as this this guy is holding these people hostages or holding this person hostage um and that is not this movie at all nope <laughs> not, not even... at all that is the movie i was prepared to like laugh about a little bit yeah and i, I was prepared to be the only one that liked that movie right yeah. like that was totally a movie that i would totally be into and it would be fun um and this is so far not that movie like I, I feel like I do want to have a spoiler segment, as as you said. Like, there's not really time to de- like. There's no reason to dedicate that much time to it. But I do want to uh, say we can it. do a quick one just to rant about how dumb the plot points of the movie are. Yeah, yeah. But basically, it, it's it's there is technically a conspiracy, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but like it's so inconsequential to what this film could have done and made a compelling narrative for that. It's really just like. It's the equivalent of, of like you could have the movie be exactly the same if um, if George Clooney was playing a realtor and he told this kid the neighborhood is really safe and then somebody broke it and stole all the stuff from the guy's house and he was really pissed that he was told the house would be safe <laughs> and he comes in and holds him at gunpoint and asks him to find the person that stole his stuff right that, yeah. I mean basically this movie would not change at all and I, I really think that like. If the story behind the truth of what's really happening, like if this was a takedown of the market as a whole, even if it was a shitty takedown, like uh, was when uh, were you on the podcast for the episode that we reviewed uh, the the Liam Neeson plane nonstop movie? No, I wasn't. Okay, like one of the things that we trashed that film about is like the end of it is you know the bad guys who were doing all the stuff. Their plot was just like a typical like f the u.s like like their 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 plan was really stupid and it was like it was like generic oh we're anti-us so we're gonna try to drop a plane right that that was like their whole plan yeah um if this film was even a shitty cliched version of like the markets are evil and we're sheep and they're taking our money and the rich and the poor and blah this film would have succeeded so much better than it actually did yeah because the takeaway here without spoiling anything is this specific thing, this very specific person <laughs> did a very specific <laughs> shitty thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's basically this this very specific person wants to demolish your project to build a skyscraper. Mm. Right? It's the equivalent narrative. And there is nothing interesting or compelling about that plot. And, and go ahead. I was just going to say, even the way, like, Jack O'Connell is fine, I think, in this movie. But what he has to work with, like, the rage he has to work with, it's so thin. Like, even he in the script cannot drag it out for the scenes that it requires. It feels like you're watching a bad improv where he's just like, I want answers. I want, I want answers. And it's just like, what are you guys even doing? I don't, Yeah, this isn't resonating with anyone. There, there is at least like five times during the course of the film where he goes, no, not f***ing glitch. Don't tell me it's a glitch. I want to know what it really is. Glitch is not an answer. And it's Glitches like, get stitches. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's basically just it. It would be much more compelling if his whole plan was was literally to, to kill him on the air. Yeah. And, he, and he just wanted an apology from him and then he was going to kill him. Like, like, you know, murder, suicide on the air. Awesome. As, soon as, as soon as he gets an apology, that would be totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> but but instead, there's like this whole ridiculous 
attempt at trying to like solve everything, which is really just solved by like finding a list of hacker contacts and having them like type a few things into a computer and getting the answer so that we can find out what it is. Like there's no, there's not like, usually in a story like this where you're trying to uncover a mystery, you would find one piece of evidence that gives you like the lead and then you would use that to investigate something and find multiple pieces of evidence to build one giant narrative. In this, it's like, oh, oh, you found somebody to call? Okay, have them look here. And then they're like, oh, did they get all the answers? Okay, cool. Let's let's tell the audience what all the answers are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that is seriously like the laziest no, fucking No, Chris, thing. they had to follow a few clues. Like, it's people. It's a human fingerprint. It's people. Oh, here's all the answers. Oh. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I just, I, it, it, it is, it is, it does boggle the mind how this, like, I really feel like if they wouldn't have got, like, a Clooney or somebody to be in the lead, this would not have been made. No, but I can't, the, like, his lack of quality control astounds me. <laughs> like, the, I, I just don't know how anyone could read the script unless it was like heavily rewritten on the fly or something like how could anyone read the script and be like, Oh yeah, this is a good, this is a good story. People are going to like this. Like on paper, there just can't be anything when you actually read how it resolves and how the characters work. I, well, no, but when I, when I say by get a Clooney, I just mean that like they knew that like, like right now it's sitting at number three in the box office behind Captain America and Jungle Book. Like, Mm -hmm. they knew that simply putting Clooney in the movie meant that all of the old people were going to see... I mean, I I text you and Carson, like, as I was buying my ticket, where this this old older lady and her daughter, like, both both older women, um, they walked up to the box office, and they're like, we'll take two for George's new movie. (laughs) And, like, they didn't even know the name of the movie. They probably didn't even know what it was about. They were just like, oh, George Clooney's in a movie. Let's watch this. This seems fun. (laughs) It it is rare that I watch a movie that, like, trying to imagine how it survived for however many months or a year or whatever it took to create this movie, how anyone could have felt okay with it at the end, it just blows my mind. Like, I have not often seen movies to this extent where I can't even imagine what people liked about it. Yeah. Even... Just all the tropes, like, I I know, you know, gender politics and stuff are the least of this movie's problems, but, like, <laughs> oh, the female character, the strong female characters are, like, the the woman in the room who just coaches him the whole time, and the vapid chick who's sleeping with the worst man on earth, <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I, and, like, who are you supposed to care for in this movie? Like, ping-pongs throughout the movie. And by the end, the answer is, like, I hate all of them. I want all of them to just be dead. <laughs> I think you're supposed to care for the, the two guys playing foosball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, the cameraman. I feel like you're supposed to feel for the cameraman. I think you. I think for a brief time, you're supposed to feel for the producer, too, for some unknown reason. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it was her last day. She was almost out of there. And it, it it's like it tries so hard to be edgy or gritty. Like, 
we're going to show a scene of a riot in Africa. And in Korea, it's just like a swanky place where like someone's passed out half naked and someone else is doing a line of coke. And oh, and in Iceland, they're like smoking weed and they're just the pro hackers. And like, what are you doing? That You, that, you don't know anything. <laughs> that too, like what, what's sad is I feel like they added in the scene of them playing video games because somebody watched a playthrough and was like, you know that scene where we call the hackers that nobody's known existed until that moment? I really think we need to go back about 20 to 30 minutes in the movie and put a scene where guys are sitting in a room playing video games and smoking weed, and then we can cut back to them later and those guys will be the hackers. It, it just This is such a minor detail too, but like having worked with people in Asia and Europe like most days... Tell me the time of day where it is bright and sunny in New York and people are awake in Korea and people are awake in Iceland <laughs> and they're all watching television. Um, well, obviously, you haven't seen a hostage situation play out on live television because <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. they clearly were staying up to watch that. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, it's just it's simple. In so- one of those places, it's like six in the morning. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, I'm just teasing anyways. Um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, I, th- I think there's probably not a lot more to say. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to get into like our brief two minute spoiler section. So yeah. should we just, should we just jump into the verdicts for this film? Yeah, let's do it. Well, Steven, at this point, it's more of a, just a formality, but uh, why don't you let us know if you were going to give us a must see, a recommend with a caveat, a wait for rental, a pass with a caveat, or a must avoid, what would you give it? Okay, Patty, cue it. You got it. Number three, I give it a balls must avoid. (laughs) Very nice. Yeah, I I was totally prepared before I actually watched the film to be like the one person in our group who was actually super positive on it. And uh, unfortunately, I can't do that. (laughs) I'm also going to give it a must avoid. So, yeah, you don't need to see this film. Unless nope. you're like old and you know you only come out to the movies to see George Clooney, then I guess you can walk your way out and go have a, you know, have have lunch at uh, Caro's or whatever the the equivalent Denny's type place you can find. <laughs> Even the old people who were most of the people in the theater, like the kind of people who laughed when like the Asian girl translator said something, and it was just funny because she's Asian. Um, <laughs> They still clearly did not like this movie. Like, it was silent when we were leaving the theater. You didn't hear the, like, oh, well, that was nice. It's just, like, what what just happened? <laughs> yeah, it's not so good. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's going to do it for us right now. Do you want to tell pe- people where uh, they can find you if they want to during the week? Uh, if you can find me, I'm probably going to be in, like, Zurich this week on a jet going doing some work there so you know nobody nobody try to find me i keep my phone off or twitter.com slash s david miller s david miller.com well when you get off the plane you know you're gonna get your, your phone blown up by a, a bunch of phone calls from me as i try to get a hold of you to figure out what's going on with our podcast mm-hmm. uh, but if people can find me over at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl you can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show um, if you want to figure out when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoiler warning or like us at facebook.com slash the spoiler warning. 
If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com. You can use the contact form on our site, or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Uh, music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Money Monster, so hopefully you're enjoying that more than we enjoyed the movie. And uh, yes, music is going to fade up, and when it fades out, we will be in spoiler territory, so get ready for that few <laughs> minutes or seconds of that. Um <laughs> But, uh, yeah. Thanks for joining me, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Uh, everybody who's not going to listen to spoilers, we'll see you later. If you're going to stick with us, we'll see you in just a moment. Alright, so we are back. This is Spoiler Territory. It's the after show part where we're going to talk full spoilers for Money m- 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 Monster Ball. <laughs> and we are... We're talking... Okay, so basically... I mean, if you're listening, I'm not even going to warn you anymore because here it comes. So, as I said, it would be awesome if there was some grand conspiracy or Clooney was piecing together exactly what different banks were doing to f*** over the little guy. Um, but actually what it turns out is... The real monster of Money Monster is the head of Ibis who mm-hmm. decided to turn off the algo and just transfer $800 billion into another account for his own evil deed. And literally, there isn't a grand conspiracy. It's one man acting alone who did something. And his way- whole company doesn't know about it. Yeah, yeah. Literally, nobody knows anything about what happened except for this one stupid bastard who didn't even, like, it's an algo. He couldn't, like, find somebody to reprogram the algo to steal a few cents from every single transaction and then slowly steal $800 billion. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they're, they're, anyways, basically this it, one... It's only $800 million too, by the way. The stakes oh, okay. are way lower. <laughs> For some reason, I thought it was, like, a huge fund. It was billions. Uh, the fund might be, but I think $800 mil is what, okay. what he lost. Well, it's even stupider then. But e- either way... There isn't a grand conspiracy. It's one man who just has to say, sorry, I did it, and then die. But instead, <laughs> like, it just, I mean, it's dumb. It's, it's really, really dumb. It, it, it's really dumb. So, okay, that, for one thing, it doesn't even make sense to me. Like, the amount of time they spent explaining how he lost $800 million because he was trying to fund, bribe people not to strike... And it didn't work, but like, so what was going to happen? No, no. So he he was bribing people. He was paying a guy to make people lead a strike. The mm-hmm. strike would cause a dip in the stock of a, a, a major company who was doing like building a pipeline or something bullshit. Mm-hmm. And then he would invest in that. When the strike ended, the stock price would rise back up. I see. And I then see. he would get rich off that. I got it. So he had to, he, the funds that he stole were half to fund the strike and half to actually invest in the company that, that the strike was happening to. But then Mambo went and f***ed it all up. Yeah, Mambo got greedy. <laughs> um, but, but, okay, so like that obviously doesn't make sense. And by, even by like early in the movie, it's clear that that is all there is. Like, the moment it becomes <laughs> yeah, about <laughs> Ibis and this one company, like, why Why is Jack O'Connell even pointing a gun at George Clooney's character? 
like just because he he said to invest in a thing that didn't work out like that isn't the problem with wall street <laughs> well also also i believe i mean just, i'm i'm oh, i feel stupid now trying to like almost trying to defend the film initially what was supposed to happen is ibis was supposed to appear on the program to explain to clooney what caused the glitch mm-hmm. like so theoretically that was a thing that because they want right ratings that was a thing that Clooney's programs producers were yeah, advertising yeah. Okay, so okay. so the 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 one dude more than like he brought two vests to the stage so he intended on putting one on each of them and then getting answers from the the combined two of them like Clooney mm-hmm. was really just there he was like the secondary casualty person who was just supposed to like he's the one that disseminated the information but he wanted real answers from Ibis yeah yeah okay okay it regardless it just doesn't generalize like if you are supposed to feel in that moment like when the people slowly become on kyle's side that it is them against the big banks wall street and clooney is like a mouthpiece for that like you're supposed to feel some universal anger about something like the thing the new yorkers are all like yeah he's a hero he we're on his side but nothing is universal it isn't it isn't about a systemic problem. It's about a particular asshole. Yeah, yeah. And then, okay, so for, for one thing, I, w- I was amazed that the movie managed to already not feel suspenseful to me when there was a guy with a bomb and a gun. And maybe it's just like the beats that the movie took. It threw in jokes at the wrong time or something. But when they get to the point, first of all, the police they decide their only option is to shoot George Clooney so they can hit this receiver on his vest instead of maybe instructing him of how to like angle himself or shoot off the receiver on his own. Yeah. Just like, no, we're going to shoot him in the chest. Especially if before that time they knew he had an earpiece in that would let them talk to him directly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that part didn't make any sense. But, but also just, just piggybacking off of that, there's a scene where police are literally talking about, they're like, how, how explosive is that vest? And they're like, oh, pretty easily kill about a 50 meter range. Like, that doesn't seem like that big of a bomb. I like, don't know. Oh, but it doesn't matter because selfless George Clooney, the hero of the working class, is going to march it out into downtown Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, that was really dumb. Like, the fact that the police let them <sighs> do that. And, like, I get... They tried to undo that by saying, oh, there's actually no bomb. But at that point, like, nothing matters anymore. Like, why are we even watching this now? <laughs> there's no bomb. They're marching to get answers so they can... Like, George Clooney at that time believes there's a bomb. And he's willingly just walking out into a crowd of people with this unstable person with a bomb strapped to his chest. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like there... That's the thing, too, is at that point in time... His plan is to corner and get answers from the other guy, but he hasn't. He hasn't. He doesn't know yet the full extent to why how Ibis is lying. So it's not like he has a plan. He's just buying time as he marches to meet him, so they can have the standoff. But it is pretty ridiculous. Why, like they, we don't get enough time where Clooney comes to the side of that. Like what this film needed is a gradual progression where Clooney is almost willing to take a gun and take hostages himself because he realizes that the kid is right. You know, like that's yeah. that's the type of film this 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 film wanted to be, but it's not at all. And I think that it's, it's in general it is it's silly to even make this be a story about uh 
to even make this be a story about the the working class versus the banks because it's not. It's they this 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 would almost be more compelling if the person who got screwed over was somebody who had money, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if it was somebody who had more of a motive, like maybe that person lost like ten million of the eight hundred million dollars that got lost, right? Yeah. Him coming in, first of all, it would make more sense how he could infiltrate the the newsroom. You know, like if it was like a like a, a, a gang or something or like a group of people who had money, were more well off and maybe were trained in something and like that you could have done anything to make it better. Like there's no reason to make this working class versus the rich because the truth behind the conspiracy has nothing to do with you know capital t capital r the rich it just has to do with one rich asshole yeah and you're right that i think uh, george clooney's character the velocity which with he changes sides is like completely unmotivated in the movie like by the time he is marching out there there are a million things he could do to survive and not march with a guy that he thinks has a bomb strapped to his chest. Or like the moment he finds out it isn't a bomb anymore, he could just be like, hey guys, it's not a bomb. I'm taking it off right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, But he doesn't, he doesn't do any of that because all of a sudden he is personally angry at this one asshole who stole money. And also like, look, I get stealing $800 million is a very, very big deal. Like, of course, it's a big deal. But people, like, the moment they find out that he did a shady thing with money, like, the woman he is sleeping with, who's totally fine to be, like, his random secretary that he has sex with until this moment, she has a conversation where she's like, why don't you just shoot yourself in the head? And then, like, George Clooney is okay with putting this guy in front of a gun, giving him a vest where people could shoot him, believing there is a bomb strapped to it. Like, everyone is totally fine with, like, this guy is going to die (laughs) right now. And we don't care about any of that because we are, like, righteously indignant at this particular moment, even though we weren't, like, five minutes ago. Well, he does put the vest on and he says, like, make sure you keep... Like, when he puts it on, he puts it on him backwards. So Mm -hmm. the receiver's behind him and he tells him not to turn his back to any of the guys with guns. But then he immediately turns his back to (laughs) to the guys with guns. (laughs) True. (laughs) But I'm just saying, like, he he references the fact that, like, if you want to not get shot by these guys, then stay here. And by the end, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to feel really bad for Kyle, the character. Like, no, he didn't do anything. But, like, he had a gun. He shot the producer in the shoulder, like, this guy is kind of an asshole. <laughs> yeah, I don't that, that I don't sympathize also... with him. I haven't been taught to sympathize with him at all in this movie. The the shooting the producer dude in in the arm was somewhat an accident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I mean it, it was it was a reactionary to what was happening in the scene. That I almost feel bad for him because like basically up until that point he hasn't technically done anything. Mm-hmm. But he did shoot a guy, so now he's in more trouble. I, I guess I guess what I would have loved is take away the scene where he tells George Clooney that it's just a bomb and have him at the end, once he gets the apology from the bad guy, reveal that the bomb is not real and then not have to die, right? Yeah. 
he can still get swarmed and arrested and taken to jail. And you can have like the scene at the end where like Clooney's visiting him in jail and Clooney leaves the money industry and now he's just going to be a reporter and he's doing like a story with him on like, you know, like do anything stupid like that. Yeah, but I, yeah. Feel- I mean, it could have been inside, man. It could have been cool. Like, oh, the weapon's not real either. The bomb isn't real. I just pulled one over on everybody. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I, I just feel like uh, yeah, it, turns, it turns out Clooney was in it the whole time. And he was investing in Ibis once Ibis's <laughs> stock went down. So in the yeah, because that's the that's it the ends ex- Ocean Eleven style where they're just like chilling, like yeah, we got but, him. But think about it: the scene where he tells everybody to buy the stock to try to lift the stock price—that's his chance to dump all of his money into it unsuspiciously, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's like, no, we could do this, and it would actually save him. So he's like, I'm personally putting in like sixty thousand dollars of my own money. And let's get this price up and then it fails and everybody else is like, oh, we're not going to pay for you because you're just an asshole and your life isn't worth anything to us. But That move, and I know it's a fake out anyway, but that move, if it had worked, he's saying, oh, you know what will make you feel better? Make this company get all their money back. <laughs> like, let's make the value of Ibis shares go up. That'll be a big motivational moment. It's so, that would be such an anti-victory <laughs> But the, the I mean, yes, but also... It's that, like, let's it, pay it Dominic a, West another $800 million. <laughs> but it was also a publicly held company. So mm-hmm. it, it's it's not just getting money back for Kyle. It's getting money back for everybody. But yeah. also there's the fact that it's just like, you know, the the parable of like the fountain, the wine fountain, where like there's a big, a big party that's going to happen and everybody from the village is supposed to pour one thing of wine into the fountain and everybody decides that, well, if everybody's pouring wine in, I could just pour water in and then it'll all be fine and people will think I'm contributing and then nobody's going to notice if one person puts a, a jug of water in instead of wine and then the party happens and they tap it and then just water flows out. Uh, that's Interesting. What that, 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 you haven't heard that parable? No, I haven't. Okay. Um, Jesus doesn't turn that into wine? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Is that like the prequel? <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Nobody talks about the first half of the story. <laughs> no, it's it's a parable that I thought was uh, well known. But anyways, um, that's the type of thing that would happen, right? Where everybody's like, okay, fine, I'll put some money in. So everybody's spending eight twenty five. The algorithm kicks off, and suddenly the stock price is worth a hundred dollars or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, who is not going to then immediately sell those shares, right? Yeah, exactly. So as soon as the stock like starts going up, whoever the first people were to put money in would be like, uh, now, now is good, right? Like nobody's going to put it in there and keep it there. No, but I'm sure Kyle is going to get a stockbroker on the phone and just get it done right there. Yeah. He's like, now you listening at home, don't sell them or I'll shoot this guy. <laughs> I just Don't sell them. You know how market fluctuations work. I just feel like it, it the with the speed at which it would go up, it would just immediately come back down. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, even if it worked, it would have just backfired eventually. I yeah, my feeling during that scene, as I mentioned, is I was afraid they were actually going for it, and I was like, oh god, like they're trying to make this sound motivational. I hate it. And then when they didn't do it, I was even more angry. <laughs> I mean, I think the whole, the whole, like, the whole, the reason the scene's there is basically so that he can have the line where he's like, what is my life? Like, he's like, what is a man's life worth? And you think he's talking about the boy, 
Um, and then he's like, what is my life worth? And that's when it fails, right? Yeah, like, yeah. So the whole thing is there to make commentary on nobody gives a f- about George Clooney. <laughs> and then like the awful conversation about like, let's do the score. Let's, like, I get they're trying to build up that he's just an asshole. Like he's out of touch. But the beats of the movie do not feel like they're making fun of him either. Like he's made too sympathetic for me to just laugh when he has this very slow monologue about how, like, actually, if you think about it, your life isn't worse than mine. <laughs> like, <laughs> but is that just like he's slipping into another George Clooney character for a little while? It does. It does make for a great little, like, the one truly kind of funny smirking smile that I gave to this movie was right after the girlfriend like basically tells him off and tells him he's a complete worthless piece of shit. George Clooney is like, let's just remove the scoreboard here. Yeah. <laughs> That was pretty funny. He's like, I'm just going to unplug it. And all right. So where were we? Yeah. The girlfriend scene was good. I'll, <laughs> I'll give it that. The girlfriend scene was legitimately funny. Yeah. Yeah. This movie doesn't deserve any more conversation. Yeah. yeah I think we could probably call it a day. Mm. <laughs> so uh, moral of the story is don't watch um, money guys who slam buttons and tell you to buy and sell stocks. Don't do it. It's not going to work out for you in the end. Also, if you have a pregnant girlfriend, don't get yourself into a hostage situation because she's going to tell you what she really thinks about you. Yeah, be careful. A lot of hormones flying in that moment. (laughs) All right. Thanks for joining me, Stephen. Thanks for having me. And thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you next time. Lee, stay calm. I'm right here.